Would you please open up your worship guides? I just want to, I want to, let's jump right into it. Um, we're in this series, um, even though it says 21 days in fasting and prayer, we took a little divergent last, last week, but we're going to pick back up with this series um, centered on the uh, prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray, where they came and they said, hey, John taught his disciples to pray. We want you to teach us how to pray. And as what was interesting was as Jews, they prayed three times a day anyway. And not only did they pray three times a day, they said a lot of the same prayers all the time. But yet when they heard Jesus pray, there was something different when they heard him pray. Um, I'm convinced of something and I'm willing to be wrong, but I don't believe I am. We don't teach people to pray in the church because we're not willing to learn. So this Saturday, I want to invite all of you to come and begin to learn to pray. There'll be some ground rules. I'm, I feel like God has told me to do something that I've done privately with some people, but we're just gonna open it up. How did the disciples learn to pray? They listened to Jesus. They didn't listen, but it wasn't his words, it was, it was, it was his heart. It, it was something raw and real within his prayer. And so we're gonna, we're gonna learn to pray. So I want you to come Saturday. Um, if you've come before, we've sat in a circle. That is not what we're doing. Okay, we're going to learn to pray. And we're going to learn how to pray with an intensity and with an honesty of what it means to connect with God and to dig through our own stuff so we can get to the God stuff that is buried within us. All right? So come Saturday and um, we'll, we'll start that together. But Matthew 6, 9 through 11 um, I want to read it to you out of the ESV because of where we're going today. And Father, you're going to have to help me, Lord, because uh, I know what you've put in me. Help me to say what you want me to say and to get there, Lord. Pray like this, Jesus said. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That was our first week. We talked about hallowing the name of God. You can go and listen to it online. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We talked about how that his will is more important than our will. And so many times we think our will is what matters. And so when things don't go the way we want, we back away from God. It's amazing to me how many of us, us, and I'm saying, because all of us, you can be honest with yourself or you can lie to yourself, but listen, all of us have drawn close to God when we were in need. Maybe there was a life-changing situation that was coming. Um, we're getting married, we're starting a business, whatever. And, and we make this push towards God and man, we're all in. We're all in with God and we're all in with the church um, that, that, that we're hanging out with, which by the way, part of our mistake is equating the church to God. We are the church, he is God. We should be committed to the church because we're a family. 
Do you know how hard it is to walk away from your family? You know, you got that blood thing. Sometimes you want to run away from, but you really can't. And we should be that way here with each other. We should be committed with each other. But listen, that's not equal to our commitment to God. And so we make this push towards God, and man, we do everything, man. We're all in. We're all in with our finances. We're all in with our heart. We're we're all in together. And then we get past the stress, and we begin to think, you know what? I'm good. I don't really need that. I don't really have to do it that way. It's like we forgot what got us to where we were, and now we think we got it ourselves. Man, it's not my will that matters. It's his will that matters. And we need to seek his will more than our will. That was a good message. Y'all listen to that. Then two weeks ago, give us this day our daily bread. We talked about the importance of having a prayer time of, of seeking God and listening for his voice every day. This week, I want to pick up with the next statement. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Um, Another translation translates the word debts to sin. And so it would say it this way. um, Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we also have forgiven those that have sinned against us. Okay, it means the same thing. Everybody understand? But the debt thing's important. The debt thing's important. Because to go in debt means that we're living on somebody else's dime. And usually we get ourselves in trouble. Anybody in here besides me ever fallen for the 60 months, no interest payment plan? I'm feeling lonely. Am I the only, anybody else? And then you get to it and the 60 months comes and you forgot a few things. And all that interest is laid on top of what you still owe? (whistles) Debt. You're living on somebody else's dime. And you don't have it to repay. That's the idea here. Lord, forgive us our debts. We're living on your dime. We are insufficient in what we have. So we're, we're pulling from you to get us through today. And we have no way of paying it back. Forgive us of that. Anybody had a debt forgiven? I have. It's amazing, isn't it? Woohoo! I don't have to pay that bill. Somebody else took care of it. I remember when I fell and hit my head several years ago. This was pre-COVID, by the way. I lost my ability to smell about five years ago. I beat COVID to the punch. <laughs> yeah, I was at a family event in Tulsa. I was in a bathroom. The last thing I remember, the next thing I knew, I passed out. I'd woke up on the floor, head cracked open, blood everywhere. Walked out. I, I saw Chandra and it was the girls, right? And I didn't know who they were. I didn't know where we were. Freaked everybody out. I mean, it was a big family gathering and it got put to a halt as they, they threw, I guess they threw, threw us into a car. Was it our van? I don't even remember what they put us in. All I, uh, but they're running, us to, running me to the hospital and I kind of come to in the ER and I hear, I hear some ladies say, we're gonna, we're gonna use staples. And I'm, I begin to scream, I don't have insurance. <laughs> I don't 
insurance. It won't hurt, sir. Boy, that's a lie. And I heard that click, and I winced and jumped, and uh, that was horrible. Anyway, wound up in the hospital for a week, had a brain bleed. They were very concerned. Um, uh, it was during the Summer Olympics, so I guess it was maybe six years ago, whatever. Anyway, um, I guess I had a really bad headache because I didn't open my eyes very much. And um, my son and Chandra had to watch the Olympics on, what, one? Or was it zero? <laughs> If it, got, if it got up at all, I screamed because my head hurt, you know. It was horrible. Um, and, and, you know, when you, when you get into situations like that where you are not in control, you, you just make a fool of yourself. You do. There was this young lady that had just started coming to the church. And um, uh, she was hanging out with us on Sunday afternoons because her parents lived in another town. Well, uh, she comes, and I, I met her mom for the first time, and as as it wound up being, she wound up being our daughter-in-law. And so it was horrible that that was the first time I met her mother. And I was out of my mind, you know. Because that's what happens when you're in debt. You get out of your mind. And you start living in a crazy way. And Jesus said, you need to pray that God will forgive your debts. But at the same time, you've got to forgive other people who owe you. Pray for God to forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. I want you to really pay attention today. I wanna, I wanna lay down what forgiveness is. Forgiveness has several components. I wanna give you two on your note sheets and a third one I'm gonna tell you. Number one, write this down. For forgiveness to happen, the offender has to acknowledge the offense and the right of the offended to respond in kind. The offender has to acknowledge the offense and the right of the offended to respond in kind. As people, we must acknowledge our offense and we also have to acknowledge the right of the offended to deal with us as he sees fit. That's the first part. Second part. It is the wounded who is the one who can extend forgiveness. For forgiveness to happen, there has to be an offense towards another person. And that person who's offended is the one who has the opportunity to extend forgiveness. Let me give you the third part of forgiveness. This is all biblical. I'm going to show it all to you. Thirdly, forgiveness requires a blood sacrifice. That is what the whole Old Testament sacrificial system was about. It was about trying to get people, Israel, to recognize their offense towards God. And in order to seek God's forgiveness, they had to shed blood. And if you go pay thousands of dollars, I'm trying to help you so you don't have to do that. You go pay thousands of dollars and go to the classes I had to sit in. You find out that you listen to some rabbis and they, they truly believe based on their research that by the time the sacrifices were done in the tabernacle, that there was so much blood in the outer court that the priests probably were walking ankle deep in blood. 
which would explain why after the sacrificial place, the next place they went was the laver and washed themselves to get the sin blood off. Sin is serious business. David is an example of the dramatic seriousness of sin. He was a king who God gave him a throne and there were rules associated with that, okay? The, the rules were there for this idea so that David would always know that everything he has was given to him by God, that God was the one that he, he draws on for, for his needs or his desires or his wants. But David, like many of us, reached a place where he thought, I got this. And one day was looking out his window and saw another man's wife bathing lusted after her and decided not and decided to take what he thought he could have. Brings this woman in, uses his authority. Get this. He basically raped her. What was she to do to a king? Tell him no. He uses the authority God gave him to get something for himself. And then when the consequences begin to mount up, i.e. the woman gets pregnant, he then decides to do a cover-up and decides to set up Uriah, the husband, to lose his life and do it in a way that would keep him clean. Then when Uriah dies and he makes an honest woman out of Bathsheba and marries her, and he thinks everything is good. Until the guy named Nathan, who is spending, listen, I understand we have a lot of people that are, that really all, they, they focus on the, the five-fold giftings, and I, I have been through, through that phase, specifically this side of the phase where everybody wanted a title. Apostle this, prophet that. Somewhere when I was younger, I studied the prophets enough to know I don't ever want to claim to be a prophet. Because prophets were alone. Nobody liked a prophet. And their life was used as a message. So for those of you that want to be a prophet, just remember there was prophets in the, one prophet in the Bible who laid naked in the middle of a street to give a message to a city. You want to be a prophet? <laughs> and here comes Nathan who has been alone with God and God tells him what's going on. And Nathan walks into the court of the king and calls him out. Hmm. And David knew he was caught. And David did what a lot of us do. But I want you to see his prayer. It's found in Psalm 51, verses one through four. Have mercy on me, O God, According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. He knew exactly what he was talking about. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. 
For I know my transgression and my sin is always before me. Now check this out. Against you and you only have I sinned. What? He committed adultery, murder, rape. And he says against God, only you have I sinned? He's right, we're wrong, and I want to correct it today. Sin, by definition in the Bible, oh, let's finish it. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Remember, the offender has to acknowledge his offense and the right of the offended to respond in kind, and that's exactly what David did. You're right. Here's where you need to see today. Sin is a vertical, by definition in the Bible, is a vertical violation. Sin occurs when we violate God. You want to know what David realized? That he had taken for himself what only God said he would provide. When David thought he was self-sufficient, he against the, the awesomeness of God who says, I will give you whatever you need. Sin is a violation. It's a vertical violation that has horizontal consequences. Which is why Jesus had to die on the cross. Because the longest beam fixed the biggest problem, the sin between humanity and God. Sin is not, is, listen, should we be kind to each other? Of course. Should we be mean and evil to each other? No, that is wrong. But please understand, it flows from a sin between us and God. It's a vertical violation. And so Nathan clues him in on it. Listen, here's, here's part of Nathan's rebuke in 2 Samuel 12, 19. Why do you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? Now, in his rebuke, he went through all the things that, I, that David did. But he wraps it up and says, why have you violated God? That's your sin. And my friend, that is our problem. Is we believe that sin is something horizontal. And we've lost the understanding that God is involved in this thing. We've lost the understanding that sin is a humongous problem that has eternal consequences. That's why being redeemed is so darn important. And every one of us are in the same boat. You see, for us, we, we level sins against each other. Spending a couple days in trauma each week at OU Medical, and I've had to learn that they've got levels in trauma. A level three is not as bad as a level two, and a level two is not as bad as a level one. If you're a level one, you're... It, 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 Woo, fighting for your life. And we do that with each other. We level sins. But please understand with God, sin is a sin. It's just sin. Your lie is as bad before him as murder. Sin is sin before him. And Romans 3.23 says, for all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What is the sin? Falling short of his glory. Falling short of him. That's the sin. Sin is defined in the Bible is not wronging another person but rebelling against God. Or as John Piper says, it is assaulting the glory of God. 
Now, in this statement, against you and you alone have I sinned, David is not making light of what he did. He understands the horizontal things he did is horrible. But he's come to understand the real issue. When Nathan said, why have you despised the word of God? It's important that we all get a proper view and understanding of sin. All of us are guilty. Why is this important? Because if you go back and look at the first or the second little point I gave you, the wounded is the one who extends forgiveness. Which is why Isaiah 53, 5 says, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was pierced and crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds were healed. He took the wounds so he could extend forgiveness. Amen. See, Jesus understood something that we need to grapple with. He understood that we would never find horizontal harmony until there was first a vertical victory. We'd never find peace amongst ourselves until we first experienced peace with God. We'll never find love for ourselves and for each other until we first experience the depth of the love of God. And through Jesus Christ, the wounded one chose to release forgiveness to all of humanity. Why? Because he wants a people who are forgiven to now forgive. Two things I want to encourage you with today. First, I want to encourage you to receive God's forgiveness. Not forgiveness because of what we've done to each other. Forgiveness because we recognize we violated him. That we have sinned against him. And we need his forgiveness. And it's wonderful that if we will acknowledge our transgressions, what God will do. 1 John 1, 19. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. We start there. Lord, I recognize that I have violated you. Lord, I recognize and I acknowledge that I have chosen to think that I can work to provide for myself and I don't need you involved. And you acknowledge your sin. Lord, I acknowledge today that I'm angry because things aren't going the way I want and I'm trying to live life the way I want. And I recognize I've set myself up for some horizontal consequences. And I want to deal with this today. There's a story of a man who was a pastor in Washington. Took over a small church. I'm going to go a little bit long. Just hang with me. Took over a a church in a small town. The church grew. um, And one day somebody started a rumor about him. Because he went over to a single woman's home. And someone started a rumor that he was having an affair. It was not true. Both parties denied it. But in a small town, the gossip ran fast. And his 
ability to pastor and lead was severely damaged. 10 years later, there was a knock at his door. He did not fully understand the weight that it had placed on his wife and his kids. But 10 years later, there was a knock at the door and he opens the door and there is this man that he recognized, called him by name, said, man, I haven't seen you. And the man cut him off and said, you haven't seen me in eight years since the incident. And before the pastor could say anything else, the man looked at him and said, it was me. He said, what do you mean? I'm the one that started the rumor. I'm the one that tried to bring you down. And the pastor took a step back as emotions flooded. And the man said, I was jealous of you. You came in to our church and before you came in, I was the one everybody turned to. And you came in and you changed things. And new people began to come in that didn't look like the people that were here before. And fewer people wanted to hear my thoughts on things. And I saw you over there. And I'm the one that started it. And the pastor said, well, you know that's not true. Her husband had just died in prison. And she had called me to come and pray with her. And that's why I was there. And the man began to break. And he said, I know, but I can't stand this torment that I'm under anymore. I had to come and confess to you. And this pastor stepped through the door and hugged a man who had lied about him for 10 years, who had tried to take him out. And the man just began to sob as years of pain and torment came out of him. And all the pastor could say was, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. And as horrible as that story sounds, our offense to the Father is even greater than that. And we act like his forgiveness is no big deal. It is the greatest thing that's ever happened to you. It is the greatest reason to worship and praise. Because without his forgiveness, we are eternally separated from him. But he loved us enough that while Satan demanded a huge price, God said, I'll pay it. Because see, what God knows that the enemy doesn't know is he's got an endless supply of grace. He's got an endless supply of mercy. So as great as the sacrifice was, if the sacrifice had been higher, he would have paid it because you're that valuable to him. We have been redeemed and forgiven. And like we get in a marriage that's 20-some years old, we take it for granted and we lose the awesomeness of it, I think. Psalm 32. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against him. I'm that. Are you? 
you can be, receive his forgiveness. But there's a second part. Forgive our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. So here's the deal. We got to learn to give what we have received. Matthew 6, 14. Freely you have received. Freely give. Let me tell you two places you need to give. First, you need to forgive others. We got to learn to forgive others. We got to be like that guy who though somebody tried to ruin his life, he still forgave him. Genuinely forgave. Give what you have received. Forgive others. Matthew, I'm going to hurry through this. Uh, Matthew 6, 14 through 15. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive other sins, your father will not forgive yours. Notice it's tied together. Who wants his forgiveness from the greatest thing that could ever happen to you? Me. So come on, let's be willing to forgive others. And that doesn't mean forgive and hold resentment. That's not forgiveness. Forgiveness restored relationship, didn't fracture it. Yeah, that's true. He didn't forgive you and kick you to the curb. He forgave you and restored relationship with you. Right. Hmm. Think about that on your own. Colossians 3.13. Make allowances for each other's faults. You know what that means? We all got faults. None of us are perfect. Let's stop acting like we are and let's stop hiding our faults and let's make allowances for each other. Learn each other. If we love each other, you know what? Our love will counteract the faults. We'll find ways to work around issues because we value each other more than we are willing to let each other drift apart. Make allowances for each other. Quit holding grudges against each other. That's sin. Because that goes against the glory of God. Yes. Welcome to church. Make allowances for each other's faults and forgive everyone who offends you. Oh, how about we take that word anyone or everyone out of there? Why can't it just say forgive those you, who might offend you? Or forgive, forgive those you want to. Wouldn't that be nice? Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember. The Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Amen. Give what you've received. Learn, be willing to forgive each other. But that's not the crux of where I wanted to go today. So I'm going to try to hit the nail real quick. We need to give what we have received by forgiving others, but here's the biggest one. Listen to me. We've got to learn to forgive ourselves. Called by my shame and regret. How many of you are allowing your regrets to frame your identity of who you are? I have too. We've got to learn that the forgiveness of God is to be extended to ourselves too. And if we don't extend it to ourselves, I'm going to show it to you in the Bible. We're violating we're sinning against God. We're violating what God has done. I'm gonna show it to you. Isaiah 118. This is God talking. Please understand this is Old Testament. So this is way before Jesus is on the earth, but you see God already had this thing going. See, he, he had this plan the whole time. And so he says in Isaiah 118, come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, 
I will make them white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them white as wool. Why red like crimson? Because that was the color of the blood that covered their sin in the old covenant. But in the new covenant, there is a new blood that takes your sinfulness and actually makes it pure. That takes your sins and actually acts like they did never exist anyway. So when we allow our regrets to frame who we are, we're violating the truth of who God says we are. There was an old song when I grew up in church. What sins are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. Oh, if you could hear God's conversation with us. He had it with me just a couple of days ago, last night. I haven't slept in a while, that's why I'm so jazzed. God and I had a conversation because this is stuff that's in my, in my head. But now, man, it's like a light bulb this last couple of weeks because I, my biggest problem is not my sin with God. It's that I've not appropriated his forgiveness for myself. And I've lived in my hurts. Just like you. And I'm telling you, it's wrong. He didn't do all of this so I could forgive Lori and live in a chain in my own heart. The weights that you carry from the past can dominate you when all you gotta do is let them go. Romans 8, one through two. So now there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. Listen, this is not talking about condemnation between God and man, it's talking about condemnation within yourself. Quit condemning yourself. Quit saying, well, I can't do this because of that. Really? That's not what God says, is it? Well, I can't be this person because of what I did back there. Really? What sins are you talking about? When we hold on to our regrets, we're violating who God says we are. And the last time I checked, he's the only one that gets to define who I am. Why are you letting others condemn you? You know how we condemn each other? We keep talking about everybody's failures. And, and what we do is, man, we are so in with the devil. Because we'll do it in a slide, we'll tell it like a joking story. And yet the person that we're trying to joke with, the enemy's just jabbing them. Bam, see, I told you, they'll never let it go. We got to let things go, folks, in our own life and let them go in the lives of others. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. I got to hurry. Hebrews 4, 1 through 6. I only gave you a portion um, let me read it to you this way. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Fallen short of what? The rest of God. There are two main rests talked about in the Bible. The first one is found in Genesis, where God worked for six days and then rested from his labors on the seventh. Do you know why he rested from his labors? Because he was done. 
And when he was done, he said, it's good. And then he rested. That's the first rest in the Bible. Now, there are some of us who think that that's all about honoring a specific day of the week. And in a time in human history, that's exactly how it was. But you see, when the Holy Spirit comes, he blows on the ancient embers of the old texts and he brings to light what is really there. What was hidden in the Old Testaments, revealed in the New Testament. And Paul is catching a clue of something. He looks at this Sabbath rest where God was done, finished, it was good, and he rested on the seventh day, that was the past. But for us, it is a salvation rest. It is where we learn to rest in the completed work of Christ. I can't do any more to make it any better. I can't do anything else to make it any worse. It is done by him. It's his work. He's finished it. It's finished. And he looks at all of humanity and says, they are good because they're covered in the blood. Now, they may not know it yet, but that is the truth. That's the first rest. The second rest is called Canaan's rest. This is where Israel was promised a land that, from God that they would inhabit. It was their inheritance. And, and the idea was that they would get there and they would have a home. No more wandering. They would have a place, a promise where they could claim their inheritance. I've grown up singing hymns that talk about crossing over the River Jordan into Canaan's land. As if Canaan's land represents heaven. With all the respect I can give you, that is not true. And one of my close friends, she was a Southern Gospel writer, a recording artist when I was a kid. She tried to make me into a Southern Gospel person. It didn't work. I like it. I'll sing it. In the shower. No, I'm just kidding. But she did this one song. She wrote this one song called Old Hymns. And she put some hymns together, you know, for her chorus. And one of them in there. To Canaan's land, I'm on my way. Leaning on the everlasting arms. No, heaven is not Canaan. Why? Have you forgotten they had to fight to get Canaan? That there was victories and there was losses in Canaan. That there was murder in Canaan. That there was disappointment. It wasn't a peaceful place. But the purpose of Canaan for Israel was to learn something that I'm trying to get us to see today. That the purpose of Canaan is that it is our submission rest It's where we learn what David had to learn the hard way. God, you are the one that gives me everything. How dare I try to get it myself? Where where I say, God, you're the one that's given this to me. Uh, Canaan, this rest is a submission rest where we willfully submit ourselves to the authority of God. And this is gonna bother some of you, but God's got every right to tell you how to live. He created your life. So instead of you trying to tell me what God's told you, how about we let the Bible tell us the basics and then you follow him. And if eating pork is a sin to you, give it to me, I like chili. But that's not something he's spoken to me. And that's where religion goes crazy is because people got 
pulled out of alcoholism, dramatic encounters, and then they tried to just blast everybody. I'm not saying you should drink. I'm just using that as an example. It's about the basics, understanding that sin is between you and God and God is the one who forgives us and that we can now rest from trying to work and earn it. Why is it so important? I'll hurry. Let me finish the, the, the scripture here. That you've not fallen short of it. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. Talking about Israel in the past. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they heard, because those who heard did not combine it with faith. They didn't combine it. They didn't believe it. They didn't act on it in faith. Now we have believed, we who have believed enter that rest. Just as God said, this is out of Psalms, so I declared on an oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. He was talking about Israel when they didn't trust him and cross over Jordan. When they got there and they said the giants are too big. That generation never entered the rest of Canaan. And if we think that God's forgiveness doesn't need to be applied to us, then we'll never enter the rest Jesus died to give you which is a rest in your soul. It's a rest in your mind. It's a peace on the inside that says, I might have blown it yesterday, but I am not that person today because the Holy Spirit showed me. I've been redeemed. I don't have to let the old man come back to life inside of me, but I've been redeemed not because of what I've done, but he's done it, and he looks at me today and says, you're good. I look at myself and remember what I did yesterday and my regrets, and I look at myself and say I'm bad, but I choose not to listen to my voice anymore. I'm gonna listen to the voice of the one who created me, the one who said you're good you're good you're good you're good and if you'll accept it and forgive yourself you can have peace and rest inside (sighs) and yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world for somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words and on the seventh day God rested from all his work and again in the passage above he says they shall never enter my rest it still remains that some will enter that rest and those who formerly had the gospel preached to them didn't go in because of their disobedience therefore God again set a certain day calling it today when a long time later he spoke through David today if you'll hear my voice and not harden your heart, you'll enter the rest. It's one wonderful that we've been forgiven of our sin to God, against God. And now we're called to forgive others. But that's easy compared to forgiving us, ourselves. And I'm challenging you today to go all the way with the work of God. He does not want you to live in bondage and turmoil in your mind. He doesn't want your past to continue to dominate you in your mind. Speaking with someone this week and we were praying for someone in in a situation who's trying to change their life and I typed this out. I hadn't even thought about it, but I typed it and I was like, oh, that's the Holy Spirit. As I just said, yeah, the voices of our past are the loudest when they're about to lose their influence. But you see, that's when a lot of us go back because the voice is pounding in our head. Do you know that the Bible talks about how that if you are a law, if you are a slave to the law of sin, your mind, you'll never 
be a slave to the law of the spirit inside. That's why we need to be forgiven. And we need to learn to look at ourselves and say, I forgive you. I know what I've done. But the Father's already forgiven me. And I want him to continue to forgive me. So I'm not just going to forgive Wayne. I'm going to learn to forgive me. So that my unforgiveness towards myself doesn't put a barrier between my forgiveness between me and the Father. Freely you've received. Freely give. Forgive others. But my friends, let's learn to forgive ourselves. Let's learn and experience the rest. <sighs> Ephesians 1, 7 and 8. In Him, we have redemption. Through His blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that He's lavished on us. Would you bow your heads with me today? Father, I pray today, Holy Spirit, in the next few moments, that this that is being planted today will begin to immediately spring up and begin to take root. Lord, you said in the Bible that whoever we forgive, you forgive. And really all it is is us acknowledging that you've already forgiven. So we act accordingly. So Father, I thank you for all of our forgiveness. For everything that we hold over our own selves. The chains that we hold ourselves to. The weights of our regrets and our shame. That you died not only to connect us back vertically, but you died so we would be free in ourselves. And all you ask of us is to really believe it. Someone is saying right now, I can't forgive myself. Well, yes, you can. Because greater is he that's in you than anything that's in the world. Your choices determine your outcomes. Choose to forgive yourself. Some of you have been stuck so long. The idea of resting from the struggle internally sounds like a pipe dream, but it is not. It's real. And I want you to experience it. That, my friends, is the new life. Would you stand today? It really is this simple. Answer this question to yourself and be honest with you. Because sometimes we try to deceive ourselves. Have you accepted Christ, his sacrifice for you and the payment of the vertical sin between you and God? Have you accepted him and that only he could rectify things 
between you and God and change your eternal destiny. If you said yes, good. If you're not sure, let's deal with that today. But those of you that said yes, be careful. You've just acknowledged that you've received the ultimate forgiveness. How hard is it for you to forgive other people? Do you need to have a refresher in your forgiveness between God so you have the gas in your emotional tank to forgive others? And then thirdly, if you've been forgiven by God and you know you gotta forgive others because freely you receive, freely give, are you willing to let your own baggage go? Or are you forever willing to live in a torment in your own mind that falls short of the glory of God? He did not do all of this just so I would forgive others. He's done everything so I would be free and at rest inside of myself. And so for you. So if you want peace internally today, while we sing, I want you to step out of the aisles. I want to pray with you. Because I believe God has come here today and brought you here today so you can enter into a rest you've never had in your life. And I woke up this morning mad at the devil and myself for the years I've lost, not believing that this is really real. And I'm saying, let's just shut him up. And let's let the truth of God manifest himself. You don't have to walk out of here like you came in. You don't have to walk out of here with torment in your mind and regrets dominating your life. You can experience the forgiveness of God today for yourself as you've learned to forgive yourself. As Jeremy sings, if that's you, I want you to 